Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is Adar and we're back and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. So it's been a while and I'm not going to lie. I missed you guys. <laughs> it's been a week and I'm already feeling like separation anxiety. But good thing we're back and we're here to spring off new stories. And as some of you know, this month we're sharing stories about love. Love stories, okay? And if you hate that, too bad because we're still telling those stories. And um, I've always, other is a serial and I should probably be in a support group of a hopeless romantic. Let me tell you about what I think about love stories. I feel like we do not hear enough about them. I feel like we hear too much about the demise, the fall of love stories, the breakups, the divorce, the heartache. And I don't hear enough about the success and the growth and the love and the positivity, the reason um, you know, Allah describes marriage to be, you know, rahman and mercy. Like, I, I don't hear enough about it. And it's really, really difficult because it's like, if you can't, if you can't, if you're not hearing enough love stories, it's hard to imagine yourself in one. Um, and if you can't imagine yourself in a, in a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage, then kind of makes you wonder, like, what are the odds, you know? And it's just, and I know a lot of people feel that way. I know a lot of people feel that way. I know a lot of us, <laughs> a lot of us are down bad about love and about all that but I think it's time to to switch gears I think it's time to think well differently about love so our first guest this week I actually came across her I want to say in 2014 around my early 20s um and I was on Tumblr like we all were back then and I came across this story this really incredible love story that I didn't know but the writer sharing her love story was or her name was Asma Hussein. My name is Asma Hussein. I live in Toronto and I run a small publishing company called Rukhaya's Bookshelf. Asma, <clears throat> funny story. Okay. Uh oh. I've low key have been your stalker, and I'll tell you why. Unintentional stalker, and I'll tell you why. It was all it was all <laughs> unintentional. I promise. I used to go to a gym on top of a lob. Uh, well, the gym was on top of a loblaws. And it was two years ago. And you used to go. Yes. And you used to work out. Yes. And I remember I saw you and I was like fangirling you. While, while I'm on the treadmill going, is that Asma? What the hell? Oh, she goes to the gym? Oh, she's a real person. Like I'm having all of these thoughts. Oh, wow. You know, she seems really nice. Oh you're, but when you're working out, you're very serious. You have a very serious phone. She doesn't look that nice to speak to, though. I, mean, I might as well not say nothing, okay? But, of course, you're working out. You're not thinking about people approaching you. You're not trying to smile at randos. Um, but I, I was looking at your, your serious face thinking, okay, I, I might as well not say something to her because I don't think she wants to hear. Oh, my hey, God. I'm a fan of yours. Um, but I definitely saw your game face. And um, I saw you working for that, your your snapback. And I remember thinking, oh, look at her. She looks like she's working really hard. I maybe want to work harder, by the way. Um, and you were there all the time. I was and there all the time? All the, I, every time I saw you, you were there. And I was there a lot. So I saw you here. I saw you multiple times. Okay, that is hilarious. Yes, and I did and see also, you. And also, 
when I work out, I'm in my own, like, I, my brain is just like, that's why, you know what, I don't even like group fitness classes. Because mm. when I work out, I'm just like in my own space, in yeah. my own head, thinking about my own thing. Like, yeah. I'm very antisocial yeah. when it comes to working out. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to other things too, but mostly yeah. working out. <laughs> Guess what? So am I. Um, so yeah, I did know, I did, I knew what you look like. You probably thought, this is the first time she's uh, meeting me in person. I just want to tell no. you, it was not. <laughs> no matter where I go, my fans are following me. What can I do? <laughs> it's, you're just that popping, sis. You're just that popping. So, on a cold winter night in 1985. Okay, okay. We won't go that far back. But, um, yeah. So, my parents immigrated here from Egypt in the late 70s. And I was born in the 80s. Um, I'm one of six kids. So I'm like a middle child. Me and my sister are mm. middle children, whatever mm. that comes with, right? <laughs> um, we grew up kind of, we grew up in Toronto. You know, I was born in Toronto, grew up in Toronto. We went to Islamic school growing up. Um, so we kind of had a bit of a sheltered childhood in that sense. And then I went to a public high school, Um you know, because back in my day, there were no Islamic high schools. <laughs> <laughs> this was a long time ago. Um, we'll try not to count back. I don't. Don't count back. <laughs> um, and then I studied at the University of Toronto, my undergrad and my master's in social work. Um, yeah. And then right after my master's, I got married that same year. And... I got married to a fob from Egypt, which is why, by the way, I'm saying that with all the love, right? Because I actually really like fobs. I think fobs are amazing. Um, um, Dad, the fact that you have decided to describe him that way. I, and it's funny I mean, he is. He, like, like there's, you know, there's no two ways about it. It is yeah. what it is. And it's funny because I always thought I'm not going to have anything in common with somebody from, you know, yeah. quote unquote, back home. Yeah. Um, but we had tons in common um and it was kind of cool i actually met him because i was in egypt one summer visiting my older sister who lives there Mm -hmm. um and she was having a baby so me and my mom went so that we could be with her when she has her baby and i remember when i went i actually told my parents i'm like i'm going on the condition (laughs) that i am not meeting anybody there i'm just letting you guys know (laughs) not that there was anything planned it wasn't planned but like I just wanted to lay the groundwork because yeah. in my head, like, there's no way I'm going to marry a fob. So I was there in Egypt. And then my uncle is like, oh, I know somebody. Yeah. And I want you to meet him. And then my, okay, my Arabic is not great. Mm-hmm. It's conversational, but it's not great. And so sometimes, like, I can't just say, la. That's mm-hmm. so rude. Like, you can't just say no. Yeah. So I was too embarrassed to say no. Yeah. <laughs> So then I'm like, okay, sure. And in my head, I was like, okay, I mean, I, I always came at it from a writer's perspective, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I'm like, you know what? Even if, if this guy's terrible, at least I'll have something to write about, like a funny story. <laughs> um, so, um, so I went and it's funny because I don't really think he wanted to meet me either. Mm. He wasn't like, oh, I know this girl. He didn't know me. But him and my uncle kind of grew, were in the same, they were in the same neighborhood. They lived in the same neighborhood. And my uncle knew him from when he was a little kid. And he's like, this is, this is a good guy. Mm-hmm. So then we met at my uncle's house and uh, he had a big beard, which is my thing. Mm. Okay. I'm not going to lie. It is like, all of our thing, love. Yes. If, if there are any yeah. men out there listening, like grow your beard. Grow your beard. And if you can't think about surgery. No, I'm <laughs> 
<laughs> Stop. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. It's a joke. But yeah, so we met and we talked a bit. Um, and he was funny and he was like kind of a tall guy. And uh, he was just really kind and really nice. And he had and he seemed to be somebody who's very cheerful. Um, you know, when people have like this kind of bubbly personality, just like a genuinely bubbly personality. Um, that's what I like. I love people who have who just have this like aura about them mm-hmm. that they're not kind of just like really muted and mm-hmm. like depressed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Very playful. Because, yeah. Playful. That's a great word. Mm-hmm. Because like I also feed off of other people's energy. Yeah. So if I'm, you know, if I'm sitting with somebody who's just like very kind of muted, then I find that I become that way. And I don't like that version of myself because I love to I love to laugh and joke and, you know, not be serious. That's very much me. Um, so I, I really felt that he had that personality. But again, it was just one meeting, right? So we left and I'm like, I mean, yeah, he's a cool guy, but I didn't really feel one way or another. Um, so the next day, my uncle calls me and he's like, oh, Amr wants to meet you again. And then I was like, Psh, of course he does. <laughs> like, that was literally what I said. <laughs> my mom was next to me and she's like, Asma, like, stop being so vain. I'm like, listen, it's just reality. Of course I'm a does. hot commodity. Exactly. I'm awesome. <laughs> the funny thing is that he didn't say that. My uncle totally made it up. Oh, my God. No. Yes. No. And then he called Dom and he's like, Asma wants What's to meet he- you oh, again. No. And I, when I, I found out, I found this out after we got married. Okay. I'm dead. It's, it was so, so my uncle knows, like. He, he saw that like we got along well, but maybe he felt like Amr's going to be too shy and it's going to be too shy to yeah. say anything. So then um, let me just make a, a yeah. really good story. And exactly. Let me do this thing. between. Wow. Them. What? What a Cupid. It's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Um, so then we met again, um, again, talked and joked and stuff. My uncle was there and he was kind of leading the discussion. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking him like very specific questions like about religiosity and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, because um I'm looking for somebody who's religious, but at the same time, somebody who's going to not try to be um, super controlling. A police officer. Actually. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's it's a it's a very delicate balance, it actually. Because they always lean. In that, exactly. For some odd reason, it also means to police people. And yes. It's a little yeah. bizarre. And, and there are men who are religious, mm-hmm. but they take that religiosity to a point where they become very judgy um, and that I you know, was not interested in that kind of leaning. Um, so I asked him about a lot of things, like, what do you think about your wife working? Um, I even asked him about naqab. Like, what do you think? Because a lot of religious men in Egypt are very adamant that their wives have to wear naqab. Um, and I I wasn't wearing naqab at the time. Actually, I never did. But, like, I wanted to know, is that something that, like, you're going to insist upon me? Because that's going to that's gonna be a part of my decision-making, right? Um, and then, like, do you want to live in Egypt? Do you want to live overseas? Like, I asked him a whole bunch of questions that I had in my head. Um, all of his answers were great. I mean, um, nothing that, no red flags, basically. And then, so we only met twice. And then I came back to Canada. I had to travel back. And we talked on MSN. MS- MSN. MSN. how old are you? I am 35. Okay. <laughs> Mura, do not put that on air. But no, I- she can put it. She can put it. I don't mind. I, I apologize mind. for asking. I just thought it's so funny. I felt like it was a good punch, like of MSN before Facebook. Yes, because you were giving us fifty. 
you know? <laughs> so I felt like it was necessary for you to tell people that you're only at the ripe age of 35. Just 35. It was for your advancement, by the way. Yeah, you can put it. I don't <laughs> mind. Um, but yeah, so we literally emailed an MSN. This was before WhatsApp even. Yeah. Like, yep. So emailed back and forth, MSN. And we really, we liked each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of the same goals. We had the same outlook on life, which is actually surprising to me. Because like mm-hmm. I said before, um, you don't think that somebody who was born and raised in a country that's completely different than yours, you would have a lot in common with. But I mm-hmm. found that we had a lot in common, especially because we were both holding on to religious principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had that. And that was like the strongest pull mm-hmm. I found. Um, mm-hmm. And his personality was cool. Again, cheerful, bubbly, like mm-hmm. ha- funny. Um, we, we like a witty guy. Yeah, we do. He's got to be funny. He's mm-hmm. got to be funny. Life you know? is too serious. Exactly. Life is very serious. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a relationship, you have to. I was gonna say you're there for a good time. Stuff like. <laughs> I mean, like you're meaning <laughs> you're here I mean. for you're here for a good time, but not a long time. Yes. You know, and you have to yeah. have joy in your relationship, right? Absolutely. Um. So yeah, we talked for a couple of months that way, and then me and my dad went to Egypt to meet because I hadn't met his family or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so we went and I met his family, um, my dad met him, mm-hmm. um, and then we got engaged and that was probably five or six months after we first met. Mm-hmm. And then again, came back to Canada and then, uh, we went in December, which was again, probably like just two months after we got engaged. Um, and we did our nikah there at wow. a masjid. Um, and then I stayed there for, I think maybe two, three weeks, um, we we did some cool stuff together we went around and mm-hmm. it was really nice it mm-hmm. was really nice it was it was like it was very pure mm-hmm. you know um so Amr was actually younger than me he was uh, like almost two years younger than me what yeah and it's a very taboo thing even in egypt to marry really? somebody who's who's younger than you but by the way it's a very common thing now it is very common. very now. common very common yeah but like but still in a lot of places it's taboo yeah it's very taboo or you just this whole they villainize a woman that's older yes they vilify her they say that she's con- she'll be controlling and she won't let you see your family <laughs> and she'll rob your money <laughs> it is just the most bizarre thing it's oh my basically gosh. this that's kind hilarious. of like yeah they vilify her i don't know that it's is bizarre it's, and it's all about women being controlling she'll be controlling and she's older that's so strange to me it's so strange but yeah like um it was a very pure, innocent love, I would say. Um, both of us, obviously, hadn't been married before, um, hadn't been in, like, serious relationships before or anything. Um, so it was like, you know, it's your first love, right? And not just a first love, but you're married to that person. So it's not like, you know, you're dating somebody on the side. No, no, no. Like, you're, you're married to somebody and you now have the opportunity to, like, really express all the love that you have because all of us as humans i think that we have the desire to be loved and to show love to be cared for to care for other people and now you have somebody that you're like free with and you're like yes now i can like explode my love yeah. onto them <laughs> and, and, because that's what it feels like right you feel like you have all of this to give to somebody yeah and it can that can feel so draining we have nowhere to put it yes so this is a really sigh of relief i would think this is all allegedly because i've never been married but allegedly there's all of this like this desire to just explode it on them. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. women especially have a lot to love to give, and I think we're nurturers in that way. We are, and we're raised, I think naturally we are nurturers, and we're raised to be that way too, right? Um, and so when you have that outlet, it, it just, it's amazing. Yeah. I love, and I, you know, I, I remember a, a part of, in your book, you mentioned how 
um, he tied your shoes when you were pregnant. Oh my! Gosh. I don't know why I remember that. I remember that because you described it as gentle, gentle love, like very considerate and thoughtful. You know, the thing about love is that the quiet ways of love are the most significant. And, you know, when we talk about love stories, we immediately jump to a dozen roses and like these grand gestures and stuff like that. But in reality, the quietest ways of love are the things that actually last. Like if like I would, you know, coming home from work, he'd buy me like my favorite chocolate bar, which is like just something so insignificant to other people. But it's just it just means like I was on his mind and he wanted to do something nice, as small as it was. Um or if you see or if you see your spouse again I was pregnant I literally couldn't bend down in my last trimester I couldn't bend down to tie my shoes and so he bent down and he tied my shoes and it was an unspoken thing it wasn't like oh look I'm going to tie your shoes for you because I'm so nice no it's just I see my partner in need of something and I'm going to fulfill that need just very simple very easy um and that's why I always think like grand gestures are wonderful you know but that's not what lasts. Um, and I think we lose track of that too. Because especially, you know, when we're looking to get married, what are we thinking? We want somebody who's religious. We want somebody, and then we have like a list of things that we like, we want our future partner to have. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is somebody you're going to live with day in, day out. You want that person to be somebody that you can talk to, that you can laugh with, that you can experience new things with. Um, and that playfulness and that friendship is like irreplaceable. So I have a question, though. Was he was it love at first sight for you or was it something else? I'm sure it was love at first sight for him. Please. (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt that. Oh, my gosh. But no, it was not love at first sight. Do you believe in love at first sight? No. Why? Why? Um, Because I think that our senses can betray us. And I think that I think it can be like at first sight. I think it can f- be comfort at first sight, but not love. Like to me, love is a very significant emotion. And love comes with commitment and um, friendship and all of those things take time to develop. You know, you're not going to look at somebody and like be their friend and be committed right away. No, you have to get to know that person. I always take love very seriously. And I don't say I love you to anybody unless I really mean it. And that love is like, to me, when I tell somebody I love you, it's an eternal love. And if I, if I, if in my mind I'm not going to love somebody for eternity, I'm not going to tell them I love them. Like to me, you know, the word love is thrown around as if it's nothing, mm-hmm. but love is serious. Love is serious. It is. When you love somebody, you commit to them. Mm-hmm. You're like there for them. You're their ride or die. Yeah. You you are their person. <laughs> okay, I have this memory. When we were still living in Egypt, I was pregnant. I think it was in like my first trimester and the cravings were hitting, right? So half the day you feel nauseous and the other half of the day you're like, I need to have this very specific food or it's <laughs> or like I'm going to die. Yeah. Like you get to a point where you're literally like, if I don't have this food right now, I yeah. will die. Like it's so strange. It's so <laughs> like, it's I look forward to it. Honestly, <laughs> I look forward to it. That sounds like it sounds so great to be pregnant. Does and it? Saying, I want pickles right now. And nobody could do anything but give you pickles. Yeah. I love it. Or else. Or, or else. else. It's, it's a, and, and nobody wants to find out the or else part. Yeah. 
it's funny because once we were on our way to a restaurant and the restaurant was like 20 minutes away and I mm-hmm. and I remember turning to him I'm like if I don't eat something right now I'm gonna die <laughs> so we literally had to stop on the street and you had to like buy crackers from like some little store yeah yeah <laughs> so like yep. I can't wait the 20 minutes I yeah. just can't um but yeah so I was in my first trimester um and I remember I wanted this particular ice cream and it wasn't and I it was like a very specific brand that I wanted um, and it wasn't at like the store that was close to us. It was a store that was like a few minutes walking or maybe like 10 minutes walking or something. Um, so then he went down to Prayashat and we had a masjid like right in front of our building. Um, and then it started raining outside because in Egypt, like it rains when, only in the winter. So it started raining outside like hard, like hard, hard, like thunder, lightning, like very, very intense rain. And I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, fine. I guess I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get this ice cream. And I kind of like resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to get it. Um, and then I was waiting. And I'm like, he didn't come home. And I waited for a few minutes. He didn't come home. 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Finally, <laughs> I heard the keys jingling next to the door. <laughs> he comes in and he is soaked from head to toe, <laughs> like soaked. So as if he like stepped into the shower with like <laughs> w- while wearing his like clothes, his galabaya. Um, and he's like holding the ice cream in his hand, like laughing. And I was like, wow. So (laughs) it's one of my fondest memories because I feel like these are the little things of, about love that no one talks about. Yeah. Like you just go out of your way. Yes. You're going to get wet. You're, you're going to get caught into, in a thunderstorm, but you do it because the person, the other person needs it or wants it or whatever. And it's Mm -hmm. like these little moments of sacrifice that like build that friendship and that love um that's one of my that's one of my favorite memories oh it builds mercy you know definitely not that's incredible that's that's incredible um look for a guy who's gonna run in the rain ladies for you to get you something you really need or you're going to die you know and and it doesn't have to be like you know it doesn't have to be all all of these conventional ways It doesn't have to be money sometimes it's just about effort it's about effort it's about the thought it's about knowing your partner mm-hmm. because I'm a I'm uh, I love food <laughs> I love chocolate I love dessert like that's my thing yeah right so he knows that if he wants to please me he's gonna get me that right not yep. like not flowers I mm-hmm. mean um, yeah, I'm sure I would like flowers yeah. but like I would you rather would... you buy me ice cream or chocolate yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a love languages yes you know yeah, it's yeah. not a it's not a, a, a some people think it's a make-believe thing but it's real it's real oh, it's 100 percent. how love everyone languages? yeah how everyone understands love and receives love is different yeah. it is so and, and you need to take the time to figure out what that is for your partner 100 you know, love you, languages are they vary from person to person mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that i think when you're getting to know somebody for marriage that you should try to figure out or even ask about because something that might be very meaningful for me would not be meaningful for somebody else. And so you're doing these things for somebody, but they're not feeling loved. And it's not because you're not putting the effort. It's because you're not understanding what your partner actually needs. In 2013, Asman Ahmed took a trip to Egypt to visit family. This was the same summer that the Rabah massacre occurred, an event that is still known as one of the largest killings of demonstrators in a single day in recent history. It is said that about 1,000 people were massacred on that day by police attempting to clear out the demonstrator camps. Despite this event, Amr always attended protests. Actually, two days after this massacre, Asma gets a phone call. So that day, when we were in Egypt for a visit that summer, 
uh, we were staying with Amr's parents because uh, we were only there for a visit and our apartment was like on the other side of the city. So it was kind of no point of staying in our own apartment and not seeing them. We came to visit them, right? Um, and I remember he, I, I knew that he was going to the protest. His parents didn't know uh, because they probably would have tried to stop him. And Amr was very like, you can't stop him. You know what I mean? Like, you know that he's a principled person and he wants to do this. So all I could say is just be careful, you know, not don't go and this and that because, yeah, he wanted to do the right thing, you know. Um, Question, why didn't you go with him? Because I had Rukhaya. Rukhaya was like nine months at the time. Uh, and I actually wanted to. I wanted to go out to the protests as well. But um, it just wasn't going to work. So we were at home and I remember that he, I remember I called him. Um, and I'm like, yeah, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, everything's fine. Um, and it was a very large protest. There were like thousands of people there and, you know, families. It wasn't like some weird violent thing. It was just, you know, a protest. Um, and then I remember telling him, can you buy diapers on the way home? <laughs> because <laughs> we ran out of diapers. And he's like, yeah, sure. Um and then, and I laughed. I laughed because we all knew how serious the situation in Egypt was. But that didn't mean that we didn't need diapers. You know what I mean? Like, it seems so silly and so frivolous. And then I told him, I love him. I love you too. You know, that the last thing that he said to me was, I love you too. So I go. Um, and then probably about like 20 minutes later, I got a call from his number. So I answered. I thought it was him. And it was somebody on the phone saying... I can't even remember what he was saying, um, but he sounded like panicked. And and I couldn't understand what he was saying because he was speaking so quickly and Arabic is not my first language. Um, so I handed the phone to Amr's mom and she, by the look on her face, I knew what, what had happened before she even said anything. Um, and it was basically somebody, so Amr had gotten shot and then they took his body to a nearby masjid, you know, uh, for cover. And then somebody took his phone and called us. Um, so, yeah, it was. I don't know how to describe it beyond. Like the greatest shock of my life, you know, it's a mixture of sadness and shock. And it took me a while to even cry, because when you're in that state of shock. You haven't even let yourself feel the emotions yet. Um, you're just like frozen you feel stuck you're like what and and you you almost kind of think like is this a joke like is this something real or is someone like playing a trick on me like because it's so shocking and it's something that you were not expecting in the least like it really takes your mind time to like actually believe what you had heard um and i remember feeling like i'm going to throw up i'm going to throw up i'm going to throw up and i didn't um, but like that, that thought is something that I remember so vividly um, and it took me time to really internalize what had happened. And then like Amr's dad got up, like ran out of the house to go see, to go find him. Um, and I was just like sitting there the whole time, like for 20 or 30 minutes before his dad called us thinking like, maybe this is a mistake. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's a mistake. Um, but then he called us and it wasn't. Um, and... I don't know how to describe it. It was a very surreal experience. Um, and I remember making dua that day in my prayer and saying to Allah, like, I'm not ready. 
like, I'm not ready for this. You know, because like I was just in the state of shock, like, I'm not ready for this. And I said that to her, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to like be a single mother to this baby. I'm not ready to lose the person that I love the most in the world. And like, alhamdulillah, our relationship was amazing. Um, we were married. For, mar- we were only married for two and a half years. Um, and so sometimes people tell me like, "Oh, you were just in the honeymoon phase." I'm like, "All right, fine." But still, our relationship was amazing. Um, you know, and like before I met Am, like I had met other guys for you know, like to court, you know, to see if um, uh, for marriage basically. And they're all like, "Meh," right? And so when you finally find somebody and it's like your person, like you've imagined your whole life with this person only to have that cut short, it's a very jarring experience. Like, and it's literally taken me years to actually reflect on how this affected my life, you know, and it takes many forms, right? And at the beginning, it's just very intense grief. And then over time, that grief subsides, but the effects of it are still there in one form or another. Um, And you have to live with it. You know, you have to live with the ramifications of what happened um, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, uh, because it's not just uh, my husband passed away. Like, it's not that he was sick, for example, or he was in a car crash or something. It's that someone pointed a gun at him and decided, I'm going to shoot that person. You know what I mean? And it's it's grief over the person that you love, but it's also grief over humanity that you almost feel like you've lost hope in humanity, which is like another layer on top of that. And it's very painful um, to think that like somebody in the world like wanted to kill him. Like, it's just so strange. Um, Yeah. With the death of her husband, Asma not only became a widow, but she also became a single mom. Coming to terms with having to be a single parent is very hard um and then you start kind of picturing what your life is going to be and what your child's life is going to be and that she's not going to have a dad to do all the dad things with her and then getting to a point where you also you take on that burden of wanting to be two parents even though knowing that you can't be but like so I would do things with her that uh usually like a dad would do like take her places and like we go out, we hikes, like just like stuff that at least in my head, I would have thought, oh, her dad is going to do this with her, not me. Um, so then I had to kind of do the motherly stuff, like the soft, loving hugs and kisses and whatever, but then also the discipline. And, you know, like you, you have to be two people in your head. Um, and that can become very exhausting, actually. Um, and it still is very exhausting. I'm not going to lie. Um, but alhamdulillah, like she's a great kid. And uh, from the beginning, she knew that her dad passed away, you know, like ever since she was a toddler and older. I wasn't going to hide that from her, um, even though, there, you know, there were some people around me who literally would tell their own kids, like if their father had passed away, they would tell them like, oh, he had to go somewhere to work or something. Like there's just like a lot of stuff that people say to kind of get away from the truth. And I never believed in that. You know, I of course, I didn't tell her how or why, you know, because she was too young. But like she knew I said, you know, Baba passed away and inshallah he's in Jannah and we make that for him. And that was clear from the very beginning. And I was very adamant about telling her the truth on that. Um, 
And the truth on everything, really. Oh, my gosh. She asked me where do babies come from when she was six. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, she no, she didn't ask me where do babies come from. She asked me, how do they get out of your body? Oh, wow. And I was like, that is a very pointed question, That's my child. That's a very child. pointed question. And it's very different than what most kids would ask. <laughs> yeah. Nobody asks us how does the plot. She so- sounds like you have a doctor. It's, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Somebody, oh, my gosh. Maybe an OBGYN. You never know. You never know. You but never you know, know what, though? I told her the truth. And and that <laughs> it was, like that it was traumatizing and so I painful. Mean, yeah, no, no, I didn't tell her that, but I said this is where a baby comes out. This is where a baby comes out. <laughs> you know, I didn't go like, and when I had you, it was trauma. It was hurt. And, like yeah. I was in so much pain. No, 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 I didn't yeah. do that. But like, it's just in my head that I just want to be truthful with her mm-hmm. on things, of course, that are age appropriate. Right? I'm yeah. not going to go tell her like things that are not age appropriate. Mm-hmm. But um, I found that. Like, alhamdulillah, my relationship with my daughter and may Allah continue to make it <laughs> a healthy relationship. Um, trust me, we've got our struggles, mm-hmm. right? And talking back and all that fun <laughs> stuff is starting. <laughs> oh, no. um, but at the same time, I feel like we are close and we're friends. And, and she sees me in all different kinds of states, you know, happy, sad, um, and I and we talk about things, you know, we talk about emotions, we talk about Jannah, we talk and, and that conversation has been made easy because of what happened to her dad. Um, so we talked about Jannah since she was a little girl. And um, I find that my relationship with her is very close, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Alhamdulillah. Of course, of course, there are lots of struggles mm-hmm. and I make a lot of mistakes. Um, so it's not to paint it as a perfect thing, but um, like being a single parent has given me the opportunity to um, be really close to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and first and foremost, we're friends. I don't know if that's a mistake or not. I'll no. be honest with you. Maybe <laughs> it's a mistake. I don't know. But, but but that's what it is. Like I feel like we're more equals than we are anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that that will lead to like a good relationship with her in the long run. I think it will. I think it will. Um, I think it will. I think that's, that's how I want to be. Like when it when they're past the terbiya stage, at least like at least like seven six, because at terbiya I can't we can't be friends we beefing you know yeah. like we beefing heavy <laughs> until you're out of this stage yeah. and then and then they become teenagers and then you just have to have patience with them because their yeah. hormones are raging yeah and then six and then they're eighteen and they're like now you're friends again and then you guys are friends so I feel like that's how it works I don't know but I I plan to be very awesome with kids. Yes. Inshallah, that I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. There's no handbook. Nobody tells me. Like, there's no handbook. I, yeah. I'm figuring out parenting as I, as and I go. And that's such a good attitude to come, yeah. to come at it with, though. Like, mm-hmm. even when you say something wrong or do something wrong, you go to your child and say, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. That wasn't a nice thing to say." And do you forgive me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just like having that relationship with them, so that they know that just because you're their parent, it doesn't mean yeah. you know everything and you're always 100% right. You show your humanity to them, mm-hmm. and then in turn, you hope that they also are will become understanding and that they're going to show you their humanity and they're going to come to yeah, you with their problems absolutely. and not hide things from yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of My dad was like that. And we're, we like, all of us tell all of our issues to our dad before we tell our mom. Oh. Because my dad was the, I mean, like when, whenever he would be upset with us and he did something and we weren't happy, he would apologize. Sometimes the same minute. 
you Aww. know that's how just my dad was yeah. and and that and, and and then our reaction to him was to tell him every time we really messed up yeah we told because we felt like he understood yeah. my mom was very like scary so it was like please don't tell mom like our dad was the one that had all of our secrets yeah okay i won't tell mom but i don't know how that worked for the relationship but you know what for us it worked um now they're kind of a tag team team now they're uh, they've changed our dynamic but at the beginning they were like that and it really helped because i think you need both sides someone that you're kind of like okay i don't want to do too much and then that and then a parent that understands a good cop bad cop i don't know if that's psychologically damaging i don't know i'm not a advisor or any of that case but i mean it helped us on all ends if that yeah. makes sense you know but you know when you're a single parent you got to be good cop bad cop oh my god that's all a, in one i mean that looks like that movie split you know a little like, oh my gosh like too many I'm, personalities too yes. much you don't sometimes, know if she's scared of you or she tell you. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes you actually feel like you have two different people inside your body. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, it's so exhausting. But alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah oh, yeah. for everything. Um, but yeah, like it, it takes it takes a psychological hit on you too. And you have yeah. to be very aware of it. And you have to really find methods to decompress mm-hmm. and to reflect and to actually sit with yourself and be very self-aware. So after after my husband passed away, what I started doing is writing and i've always loved writing writing has been something that i've always done to decompress to kind of sort through my emotions mm-hmm. i used to have a blog you know back before facebook even existed yes i'm that old <laughs> i used to have a blog um and that that was the original social media i just want to say that okay blog blog spot and all those things wordpress um so i've always loved writing and poetry and that kind of thing i never really thought i would make a career out of it it was just something that I enjoyed. And people would ask me like, hey, why don't you go into writing? I'd be like, nah, it's just something I do on the side. It's just fun. Um, yeah, so my <laughs> my educational background is social work, but I actually didn't end up working in that field almost at all. Um, so then after he passed away, I started writing about my, my journey with grief and kind of figuring out um, how to sort through all these emotions that I was going through. You know, it was a very internally chaotic time, you know. Um, And I didn't, because it was so sudden too, you're dealing with a lot of different emotions. You're dealing with grief. You're dealing with shock. You're dealing with trauma. You know, so many things. And, And then the new reality of being a single parent. Like, there's so many things that come into play. And I had to just... The only way that I knew how to deal with it was through writing. And so I would write and I would post on Facebook because that was a platform that I had at the, at the time. Um, and then over time, more and more people started reading what I wrote. And then people would ask me, I think a year into my writing journey, people would ask me, hey, when are you going to compile everything into a book? And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm just writing, you know, for my own self. And people kept asking me over and over and over. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so then I went back and I gathered all my 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 writing. And, you know, um, obviously you can't just publish it like that. You have to put it into a proper format and everything um, and edit and whatever. Um, so that was the first book that I ever started working on. Um, and then in the meantime, I thought of an idea for a kid's book. And it's funny because most writers will tell you an idea doesn't just like fall upon you as if it's falling from the sky. Like you have to sit and you really have to like work on it. Um, But this one, like I was literally, I don't know if this is inappropriate, but I was in the shower one day. (laughs) 
just no but listen <laughs> our best ideas have in the shower it doesn't have they to be do. appropriate it's the truth it's the truth it's the truth yes i was in the shower one day and then the idea fell on me as it literally as if it was falling from the sky and just mm. like mm, and i knew the beginning middle and end of the whole story <laughs> and the story was bismillah soup it's it's one of the, it's the first book that i wrote the first kids book mm-hmm. um and i remember pitching it to different publishers and stuff and some people were interested but they're like you know what it's not original original enough because it's based on the folktale stone soup mm-hmm. um and i was like you know what I believe in the story. I'm going to publish it myself. Wow. So you self-published. Yeah. Yeah. So then I decided I'm going to make this thing called Rukai's Bookshelf. Mm-hmm. I'm going to publish it. And then I did the same thing for my book, A Temporary Gift. Um, also for a similar reason that I pitched it to different places because I wasn't interested in self-publishing. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I pitched it to a couple of publishing houses. And there was one that was really interested in it. And they said, it's amazing, but we don't publish things that are like political i'm like mm, it's not that political mm. um this is a, this isn't like a political story there there are political elements to it just because of this is reality what mm-hmm. happened um so then i would have had to completely change my work mm. and i didn't want to do that because i felt like i want my work to be authentic to my actual experience um and i want and then i also had another reviewer tell me you know what you should write this book but not from a faith lens. Mm-hmm. It should be, you know, for the general public. And again, I sat with that advice and I thought, no, I don't want to do that. Because to me, that's taking away the authenticity of my experience. Because the way that I dealt with grief was through my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, reminding myself that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what Allah planned for me. Um, and he's going to, you know, bring me something better along the way. And that kind of like, that's how I dealt with it. You know, so for me to take that away, like, I, I don't think my work would be meaningful anymore. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. And I did it. And here we are. Oh, my God, how many years later? Um, Six years? Mm-hmm. Six years later? Yeah. Um, Alhamdulillah, Rukai's Bookshelf has grown yeah. uh, quite a bit. And hopefully it will continue to grow. Hopefully, you know, I'll continue to publish books for adults and kids alike mm-hmm. that really represent our actual lived authentic experiences mm-hmm. um, as Muslims. Asma talks more about her experience in her book, The Temporary Gift, about learning how to live in the face of immense trauma. And she reminds us about pain and darkness of loss, but still the potential of light and patience and love. Um, definitely, definitely encourage everyone to go get it, go purchase it. Um, so I wanted to ask Asma next about love what she thought about love and relationships and marriage and this is what she had to say i have a question i always say this um what do you think people have gotten wrong about love like muslim couples who get married and who might get divorced or couples or people who feel like they're just not finding their match what do you think people get wrong and what do you think people could do to get it right in your opinion oh this is a big question i think people get a lot of things wrong um, but I think first and foremost, people give up hope that they're going to find somebody. You're talking to me. Oh, <laughs> you're talking to me, and I'm gonna. St- I need a tissue. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, but 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 you really like people give up hope, and I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, and it's because we've had so many negative experiences um, that it's almost natural to give up hope. But we have to remind ourselves again and again that. If something is meant for you, that it's never going to miss you. 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to bring that person into your life. And it's been written. It's written. Mm-hmm. It was written before any of us existed. Mm-hmm. And to have that like good good opinion of Allah, like husn al billah, like you have a good opinion of Allah and you and you say, oh Allah, when it's my time, when it's the right time, bring that person into my life. And then not to force things. Mm-hmm. Because I find that um, like even, oh, we're getting into a totally new thing, but when I was trying to get to know people, mm-hmm. um, I would see like some good qualities in them and some things that like didn't sit well with me, mm-hmm. but I would try to force it because I would think, well, but he has good qualities. Mm-hmm. And so you ignore the parts that are, they could be red flags, like serious red flags, or they could just be things that are not compatible with you. Mm-hmm. You know, not as a judgment call, it's just you're different people. We tend to overlook those things because we're so, I hate to word, to use the word, but desperate. We're so desperate to find yeah. our person and our partner that we just let things go. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're going to be married to that person. You're going to be living day in, day out with that person. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with who they are. <laughs> yeah. Women, don't try to change your spouse. Mm. Men too, by the way, mm-hmm. straight up. But like my, my, you know, mindset is that I'm not going to marry somebody with the intention of I don't like A, B, C, D, E about you. And I'm after I marry you, I'm going to change those things about you. You have to be okay with the person that you're marrying if you imagine that they will not change anything about themselves, they're going to be this exact same person. Are you still okay being with that person or not? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then that's not the right person for you. You know, we go in thinking like, I'm going to change them. It just doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa for a yeah. man to try to change a woman. You're putting too much pressure on that relationship. That's the number one. Number two, oh gosh, I guess I have a list. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, oh, I don't know, but <laughs> number one, number two, number three. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Um number 2, I think that we try to find all of our fulfillment in one person. Mm. And it doesn't work. We do. And that's yeah. the, and that's the Disney in us. That's it's, the Disney. It is it's the Disney. They messed us up. Yeah, let's blame it all on Disney. I'm, I'm so, totally okay I, with every that. Every day I blame it on Disney. And like Disney. fairy tales and that that kind of thing like that is not life. Like you need to have work that you do outside mm-hmm. of your relationship, whether it's Islamic work, you know, um, volunteer work or or being employed or just doing other projects. You need to have good relationships outside of your marriage. You need to have good friends. You need to have good relationship with your family. Like you need fulfillment from lots of different avenues. And when we say when we ignore all of that and we say, only my husband is going to fulfill every need of mine for friendship, for romance, for intellectual conversations, for mm. everything. It puts too much pressure on a relationship. Yeah. And it's okay that you don't get 100% of that from your husband, that you have a healthy relationship with your husband. But you know what? Sometimes you might want to have a conversation about something else that he doesn't care about or mm. like that's not important to him or he doesn't know about. You're going to go to one of your girlfriends. And you're going to have mm. that discussion. And that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. So not putting so much pressure on your relationship that it, yeah. it like bursts at the seams. And I, and I, you know what, though? I think that women have every right to have whatever standard they see fit. That That's Period. my, 
That is, I truly believe that. You know, yep. when we go around saying like, oh, women are too picky. Yeah. Listen, when you get married, I'm going to say this and it's very honest. There's a power imbalance in that relationship. And that the husband is going to have power. Let's just be real. Let's be, let's be real. Yeah. Let's be honest. Speak on it. Speak on it. Even though I'm cringing, but speak on it. <laughs> it's it's a cringy thing to say. Yeah. Because we, we want to believe that like, and it, like, of course, yes, you want to find a partner who's going to treat you well and you're going to treat him well. And, mm-hmm. and we can talk about equality. But at the end of the day, there are power dynamics, especially in male female relationships. Right. Um, and we have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And for you to say that I need this person who's going to have a strong influence in my life to be a certain way, you have every right. Mm-hmm. You have every right to have that conversation and to have these standards. What do they say on TikTok now? Yeah. Or the standards below the earth's crust. Yeah. <laughs> like when men do like even the most basic yeah, like the things nice that we take thing. goes, oh he woke me up for fajr bruh like you yeah. were sleeping next to him if he wasn't waking up <laughs> then what the bot the, they say the, the the standards are below the earth like you know and that's yeah. and that's the truth because wasn't he waking up like yeah <laughs> I, yeah um like subhanallah it's just it's something that you really have to think <laughs> on what is so dumb. No, but like like it really bothers me when people say women are too picky they do and it's a it's i'm i'm, I'm 29 years old I don't know if that's respectful to say that, but people say it to me a lot as I get older that the reason why I'm single at 29 is because I'm too picky. And I'm like, you're, no, not, you're, not, you're not selling it to me. No, <laughs> the reason why you're single at 29 yeah. is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't write somebody for you to come mm-hmm. to you in the last 29 years of your life. Mm-hmm. It's really as simple as that. And I'm not saying go around and like reject men who are amazing because like you don't like his hairline or like... <laughs> He we has... can fix that in Turkey, baby. Yeah. Oh. We can fix that in <laughs> Turkey. Like, you reject someone because he has like hair growing out of his ears or something. Okay, I don't know about okay. the ears. That's a that's a big red flag. I'm so sorry. I'll take the hairline, not the ears. Oh the God. ear? The ear, Asma? I can't. Okay, no, I was just trying to think of something silly. No, but the ear is a lot. That's that's we need to see a medical advice. That is too much. Too much, too soon. <laughs> too much, too soon. Too but, soon. <laughs> but like, but what I'm trying to say is that like, if you have this guy in front of you who's amazing, who has really good conversations, who's religious, who you know, who fulfills all of these things. But if it's just something like really, really minor, and you're re- yeah. and you're just like constantly rejecting people for things that don't matter, yeah. then fine, sit with yourself, right, and and be self aware mm-hmm. that you're doing this. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like women who reject men because there's serious red flags and then yeah. we're, we're mm. telling them oh you're too picky so just put up with yeah. whatever no we're not going to put up with whatever like we also value ourselves and as as human beings as believers Allah created us with dignity and if there's somebody who's going to step on our dignity why should we allow that person access to our lives so I don't I don't like this whole narrative of like oh women are too picky no we have a right to to want what we want mm-hmm Absolutely. And men have to step up to the plate. Like, I'm sorry, men, instead of saying women are too picky, why don't you look at yourselves and say, how can I improve myself so that I can become worthy of this amazing person? But it's also that we're not as socially connected as our parents' generation was. We're not. Especially if we want to talk about, like, quote unquote, back home, Mm -hmm. where everyone knew everyone, families, extended families, everyone's, like, mixing. And you know people. Um 
But here we live very individualistic lives. Mm-hmm. We're very isolated. Let's not even get into COVID. Oh my yeah. God. Like COVID isolated us to But hella people got married, Asma. Yes. I don't know. I've been to so many weddings. <laughs> it was crazy. I said, where are they finding their husbands during a pandemic? That it was a thing, by the way. Yeah. And it was massive. It was my mom is a Bramber lady. She was booked all weekend. I was shocked. I barely saw my mom. And my, and my mom was coming home. Everybody looking at me like, these people are getting married, Hoyo. What are you doing? That's it. That's it. Ma'am. Ma'am. And these are like 94s, 95s are getting married. I was looking at me like, I'm very concerned. And I said, I understand your concerns. And I ran away. You know? Yeah. But I, 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 know, I know that a lot of people are getting married, but there's a hell of a lot of people not getting married. Yeah. And so, sorry, I, I didn't mean to stop your train of thought. Go no, ahead. No, no, it's okay. Like, I think because of that isolation, and even before COVID, like, mm-hmm. we don't know, we don't, we're not interacting with you, especially because we were taught, let's be real, we were taught growing up that not to have friends of the opposite gender, mm. um, not to interact with people in that way. Nope. Like, we were raised in a religious, at least for me, I was raised in a religious family, so that was a big no, mm-hmm. right? Um, the first time you get to know guys your husband basically Mm -hmm. or like you're getting to know someone specifically for that purpose and everyone it's like out in the open it's not like a secret thing um so when you're raised like that and then on top of that you pair like social isolation which isn't just in the muslim community it's people in general you know we're not as connected as we used to be um it's a recipe for disaster and that's why apps like you know the the dating app the the marriage apps and stuff that's why they're 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 coming up so much now and that's why there's so many people on them because this is how we meet now Mm -hmm. this is how we get to know each other now Mm -hmm. um for better or worse right like there's pros and cons to to this kind of system um but at the end of the day like we're still figuring out how to meet people we are and then when we do meet them we don't know how to speak to them we don't know how to speak to them we don't know how to have conversations yeah and, and, and can I, oh, can yeah. I just say? Yeah. Okay. So I will reveal something about myself, which yes. is I've been Tell looking. Us. Okay. So let's start the the story from I went to Hajj in 2019. Okay? I saw that fa- uh, the Facebook post. Yes. <laughs> and I think you went during. The, I stalk your whole life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. But I hope I that love, I hope I this you. is a good. I feel like we'll become good friends after this because I feel like I just told you that stalk, I've been stalk watching. Away. You. Stalk I'm away. Stalk away. Um. Did you go this, the, at the year that the whole crane thing fell? No, no, it was after that. The year so after. I went 2019, which is the year before COVID. Mm. So that was you the were last the hajj. You were the, what do they call them? The tab tabi'in. And then after tab tabi'in, it's the people that went before COVID. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, it was, it was the last hajj before COVID kind of like group. wrecked everything. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very special people. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It was an amazing experience. Lots of ups and downs, but like I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, so, I went to Hajj not really thinking anything, really. I just wanted, like, when I got the opportunity, I dropped everything. I'm like, yes, take my money. <laughs> I didn't even look at the group. I didn't even look at, like, what the amenities were, service. I'm just like, just take my money. You're willing mm-hmm. to take me? Take my money. Um, and I went, and it was it was a beautiful experience. Um, and I didn't go making dot that, like, I wanted to get married again or anything. My mind was, my mind and my heart were closed, Closed for a bit, closed for the, like, whatever, mm-hmm. shut down, yeah. right? But then I found that after Hajj, um, I felt as if there was an emotional burden that was lifted off of my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why or how. 
of course I know how it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but like it wasn't something that I was seeking you know um and it was after that hajj when I kind of thought you know what I'm okay with the idea of getting married again or I feel ready to think about getting married again Mm -hmm. and from that moment it took an entire year by the way for me to even do anything about it an entire calendar year (laughs) just to think about you felt it but you're like okay wait wait a minute yeah just wait let me make sure i'm like ready ready last year in september um i downloaded one of these apps oh yeah i don't know if i should mention what it was Let's not. Yeah, we're not going to mention which app it was, okay? But it's one of, like, the Muslim marriage apps, like one of the the, the popular ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember being on it for six days and then deleting it. I specifically remember the number. Yep. Because (laughs) it was, like... First of all, I hadn't even thought about it for like seven years. Right? I haven't done anything about it for seven years. I very rusty. I don't know what kind of men there are out there even. Like mm-hmm. I have no clue. I'm coming at it from like a completely naive, yeah. like just not not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, just in, the, in those brief six days. Oh, my God. What did you see? Like, so I noticed like to me, like the operative word that I want to use here is just shallow. SubhanAllah. And I think the apps are meant for this. Like they're meant for people to be judged based on how they look. And they're like very brief bio data, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. And I found even then that like I would, I wrote like a profile for myself. I found that people didn't even read it. Yeah. They were like asking me questions. So I'm like, did you not read my profile? They don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. It's <laughs> very shallow. It's just constant swipe. It's demoralizing. It that's, is. that's the word that, that I would use. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but I found that even in my own self, I'll be honest, I started feeling like I was becoming shallow. Yep. Like swiping left on people for no reason other than like the most minor, like, uh, swipe. Yeah. Like it dehumanizes people. It does. And because when you swipe left, you know that behind that left, there's going to be someone else and then someone else and then yeah. someone else. Mm-hmm. And so you don't value people anymore. And that's that's really the danger. That's why I could only do it for six days and then I had to delete it. <laughs> oh, no. And then I re-downloaded it like four or five months later yeah. when, I, when I felt mentally like yeah. less traumatized yes. basically. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know what I noticed is that um, a lot of men post pictures of them in the gym with their muscles bulging. And I'm like, I mean, they're trying to give us a clear message they're there. Try- <laughs> but you know what? I will tell you, the minute I saw that, I would swipe left. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm not interested in someone who's going to portray themselves in this way. Uh, the very first thing that I see about you. In nah. the gym. And it, and it, it is so <laughs> corny, bro. Yeah. But like some of my friends' experiences on there have been traumatic. Yes, absolutely. Um, And degrading. And I think it's too much access. It's too much access to too many people too fast. It's too many people too fast, too much access to you. To you but and then it's when exhausting. You think, when you think about what are my alternatives, sometimes we we can't come up with anything. There's you know? no and other. So, we're stuck on these apps. Yeah. Like, are these a necessary evil? <laughs> you want to say that? Like, <laughs> There's a lot of women that found much success on it, right? Yes. But if you ask them, and I always say ask them how long it took. That's what I always say. Yeah. And they'll say four years. Four years, five years, five six years. Because like, people are, nobody's asking for how long. It's like, oh, yeah. they went on and they found their husband. No, sister, they've been on that app for eight yeah. years, four years, eight months. They've been there for a while because there's a lot of frogs yeah. to fist through. Yeah. But sometimes you get emotionally exhausted and you start to give up and feel despair. And when you feel energy again, you go back on. That's yes. the, that's the, the that's yes. the how we Muslim women are at least operating. It's the emotional exhaustion. Exactly. 
you do get emotionally exhausted very quickly because right. of all and because of all the disappointment too and that's yeah. natural yeah right um but the big kicker is as much as i hate on it is that um i kind of met my fiance on it. see I, see what i told you <laughs> they always do but it takes a while it's about longevity ladies longevity not just that it takes a while but like if it's meant to happen it will that's true and if it's not meant to happen then you know you'll meet your guy in a different way mm-hmm. um and i think that I, I just wanted to be open to the possibility. And the thing is, like, you know, when we talk about despair, mm-hmm. I used to be in this mindset for a long time, actually, because, you know, Amr was somebody who was amazing, like an amazing person. Like, of course, Allah knows. Right. Um, but like an amazing husband, father, believe like he was just he was a whole package kind of thing. And in my head, I was like, how am I ever going to find somebody who's mm-hmm. like even comes close to like the kind of person that he is, that he was. Um, and I lived in that space for a long time. And then, you know, the thing that made me kind of question that, it wasn't like some, it wasn't some big revelation or a big event or anything that happened. It was just moments of reflection where I realized that if Allah could create someone like him, what gives me the right to think that Allah can't create someone else like him? Like, who am I to limit Allah's capacity Mm -hmm. to do that Mm -hmm. and when I say oh I can never find somebody like him or like I can never find somebody that I could be happy with what I'm doing is I'm limiting Allah's power Mm. and it's hard to think that way because obviously we don't mean it Mm -hmm. we don't mean it to come off that way but it goes back to our core beliefs that Allah's not capable of like creating like a good man for me mm-hmm. and that's absolutely not true or Allah's kingdom can, is vast yeah or you can get him again you're yes. lucky enough to find it again yeah yeah exactly subhanallah like and that that mindset um shifted my perspective a little bit but yeah like you do have to be patient and you do have to go through a lot sometimes and you need to take breaks when you need to take breaks yes we want to find a partner yes we want to find somebody to spend our lives with um, but at the same time, we can't do that at the expense of our mental health mm. because I know that these avenues and, and this journey causes a lot of emotional um, hurt mm-hmm. and disappointment in women. Mm-hmm. And we have to care for ourselves. Absolutely. We have to care for ourselves. Yeah. Like if you come to a point where you're you're mentally good, you're mm-hmm. healthy and you say, you know what, whatever Allah has meant for me, I will accept. And if that means for now, I have to be on my own. Um, I'm going to accept that. And then I'm also going to be receptive to mm-hmm. if somebody comes into my life, like just being like in a state of submission, in a state of um, tawakkul, mm-hmm. right? You have like trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to do what's right for you at the moment that it's right for you. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. if I, for example, if I had met this person two years ago, I might not have liked him or I might, I might have thought that he's to this or he's to that. But because I was at a point in my life where I was receptive and I was feeling it and whatever, then I realized, yes, this person is right for me. And so you could meet great people, mm-hmm. but if you're not mentally there, if you're not okay, and if you're not taking care of yourself, you can meet a thousand great guys and none of them will work for none you. None of them will work. I mean, you have to tie your camel, you have to be open to it, you know? But don't feel despair when it's not coming at a time that you want it. Perhaps the time you want it isn't the time that Allah wants it for you. And Allah's time is always better. Always better. He's the best of writers. And I'm sure Asma, being a writer herself, would agree. Allah is the best of writers and he writes the best 
love stories and the best stories you'll ever know and so just be patient with that right what would what would what would be your last advice to women everywhere single women everywhere or heartbroken women everywhere take care of yourselves but also believe in love and it's a very hard um, balance to strike but if you work at it you can strike that balance because yes you're taking care of yourself but you also deserve to have somebody who loves you and cares about you absolutely okay so um, before we leave asma you guys asma has two books she has children's books if you are interested go ahead and purchase her book she has a temporary gift and the second one was called um a place of refuge a place of refuge um and they, they can find it all i'm sure i think you have a website they can find yes. it all on your website bookshelf.com nah um absolutely and yeah by the way the the i uh, like i've read experts of the temporary gift it's so good and I read it and I, and I really encourage everyone to know because I, I know Asma didn't share into detail, but she writes into detail about her feelings and how she got over that loss and like all of the beautiful uh, moments. And I, I highly recommend everyone to go buy it. Inshallah. Um, thank you, Asma, for coming <laughs> and for telling your story. I know that this probably was a different conversation than I think maybe you intended to have. But I hope to have you again if you're open to it, inshallah, because you're clearly turning to my favorite person. And I did stalk your whole life, so <laughs> I'm probably going to get you to come back again, <laughs> inshallah. So speaking of love and relationships, um, Digital Store is coming out with a project called Vibe Check. Um, it's kind of inspired by an ebook that we did in the beginning of the year called the marriage questionnaire that had like over like 4,000 downloads in a single day. Um, and it was like a questionnaire of questions to ask a potential spouse. And I did it after I had, you know, joined a discussion on Clubhouse about marriage and people were telling their horror stories. And I was so sad by the experiences men and women were having trying to get to know people from marriage and I was like, this this could all of it, all of these stories, horror stories could have easily been solved just by intentional communication, you know, and by having communications that like that really assess if this person is like, you know, safe, you know, reliable, you know, are are they what you're looking for um, instead of just wasting time. And so I created an ebook like in two days in the middle of the night, didn't think anybody was going to download it. I thought maybe five or 10 girls might be interested. Um, and when I posted it and I told everybody, hey, guys, I made an ebook for everyone who's interested. I got so many downloads. I was shocked. Like, I was shocked. I was like, whoa. Like, I and I didn't know it would be that valuable. And then it dawned on me. I was like, yo, what if I came up with a card game where it was a similar format but more discussion-based like eight categories right would have like icebreakers it would have islam it would have conversations about discussion conversations about finance and social issues and all these important topics and i would just you know make it a cute card game make it intentional make it for muslims and yeah and put it out there like like we're not really strangers version of it but like our version and so we began our journey in creating the game and at the time, we didn't know what we were going to call it. And then one day, one of our one of our team members was like, why don't we call it Vibe Check? The whole game gives me, like, you're assessing someone's vibe. Like, is this person, 
like somebody that you even want to talk to the next day like in this question in this questionnaire like this game you will find out whether you want to pursue this person or not you know and 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 i say that um i say that really because it's some of the questions are really like truth telling like there's no running away from it and a lot of it is also just you know what you know what the person is you'll definitely feel like you know the person after playing the game so yeah the game is out. Vibe Check is out after nine months of working so hard, after revisions, after revisions, after editing, after like all of that is finally out and it's an actual product for everyone to get. So you can find the, the card game is officially going on pre-sale on September 10th. Um, you can find the link for the game to purchase um on our on our instagram page in our link in bio it's on kickstarter so it's www.kickstarter.com slash vibe check go ahead and purchase it and let me know y'all how it feel like like if you guys are gonna use the game you're gonna get to know somebody from marriage let me know how it goes and if you get married you have to invite me to your wedding no kidding (laughs) you do not have to invite me to your wedding but keep us in your drives and i hope the game is absolutely beneficial for you um we worked so hard in it and that's all we could ever want and so yeah it's out there guys making the conversation the experience of courtship and marriage easier that's the purpose of the game is to make the communication for it easier that is it um in that little box so yeah go ahead go buy it um there's a short excerpt from a place of refuge titled darkness under darkness Prophet Eunice cried out to Allah from beneath three darknesses, the darkness of the belly of the whale, the darkness of the ocean, and the darkness of the night, saying, There is no deity except you. Exalted are you. Indeed, I have been of the wrongdoers. No matter how deep the darkness in my chest is, how lost I am amongst the people, and how alone I feel, if I reach out in dua to Allah, he will hear me, he will see me, and he will help me. Thank you for listening. Guys, it was so nice having this conversation, this story about love. And I'll see you guys again next week about love. You already know, September is about love. Love, you're going to be disgusted with us. But that's okay, that's fine, we don't care. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Shout out to Malisha Umud for giving us that content day in and day out, sis. You never disappoint. Love you, sis. Um, And yeah, see you guys next week. In your ear, in your speakers, telling you a good story.